today the title of my message is from slave to son. I want you to touch five people right now and I want you to say from slave to son. Touch five people right now from slave to son. From slave to son. From slave to son. Now, I want to ask you a question. Whenever you ask people to come to church, whenever you invite people to come to church, what are some of the responses or reactions that you get? What are, can somebody just raise your hand really quick? If you've invited somebody to church, what are some of their, what are some of their, uh, what are some of their comments as to why they won't come to church? Yes, Ms. Deb. I have to work, okay? Yes. That's early, man. The, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say anything because it would, yes. It's my day to sleep in. Okay, what else? When you invite somebody to church. Say that one more time. I'm good, okay? What kind of church is it? Yes, what's up, man? I'm tired. It's Sunday. I was at the club last night, bro. Like, I ain't going to church. Yes, ma'am. I have nothing to wear. Yes, sir. Got to go fishing. I've said that a few Sundays myself. I said that last Sunday. Uh, yes, anybody else? What are some of your, the things, when you're inviting people to church, what are some of their things that they say why they can't come? Some of the things, and one of the most common things that I hear all the time is why people can't come to church is, well, I'm just not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for the, the standard, right, or the things that God's asking me to do. Have you ever had somebody tell you that? Like, I'm not ready for that. And I've seen it go both ways where they're like, I'm not ready to, to follow all the rules of Christianity. Have you heard that before? I'm not ready to, to follow all the commandments. I just want to do me right now. I just, I got one life to live, so I'm going to YOLO. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to be free and be me. But what people don't really understand is that when you're doing you, you are actually a slave to your sinful nature. You're actually a slave to your desires, to your, to your temptations, to your, uh, your, your inclinations to do the wrong thing. How easy is it to do the wrong thing? Amen. Can anybody testify? Any, I got any folks that have done some bad stuff before? I have. How easy is it to make the wrong choice? We have a police officer. We have uh, William, former police officer. It's easy for people to do the wrong thing. Right. And, and if you've ever thought about it, it's actually harder to do the right thing than it is to do the wrong thing. You ever thought about that before? Like you don't have to teach a baby. You don't have to teach a child. Right. To be selfish. It comes natural because that's who we are. So this morning, I want to talk about how we are enslaved to ourselves. We are enslaved to our sin. But that's not the heart of God. That's not who our God is. And so uh, I want to read a portion of scripture from Genesis. And, and, and when you think of God, you think of the rules, you think of the commands, you think of him telling you what to do. And, and I want you to see what was God's actual first comment to man. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 says, So the Lord took the man he had made and he settled him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, and this is from the Amplified Version. He says, you may eat freely. You may eat freely, unconditionally eat. Do I have any eat freely people in the building? Amen. Anybody eat freely? Yes, I've, I've eaten freely many times, and I'm paying the price for that uh, in the gym now. Uh, but I've done that. And so listen, when you think of God and you think of all these rules, the first thing that God actually tells man is to what? Eat freely. Freely. 
I've created everything for you. I'm going to provide everything you need. Listen, you have to understand when God created the earth and then he created man, man didn't have to do anything but eat freely. He didn't have to work the land. He didn't have to work for the harvest. He didn't have to do anything. He just had to eat freely. So the heart of our God, the heart of our Father, is that we would be free. Do you understand that? God didn't come on the scene and automatically start placing rules and regulations until he says this. He says, you may eat freely from every tree of the garden, but only from the tree of the knowledge, recognition of good and evil, you shall not eat. Otherwise, on that day, you will eat from it. You shall most certainly die because of your disobedience. So here God is, and God says, I've created all of this for you. You're free to eat from any tree you want. You're free to eat and do, but there's only one rule. There's only one thing you have to do. Do not eat from that tree. Now, how many of you have ever been told something that you were not supposed to do, right? I'm a teacher, and so in the classroom, I did an experiment one time, and I I, I printed out a lot of these papers, and it said, do not touch. And I put them on different things in my room. I put them on a computer. I put them on the door. I put them on a desk. And guess what the first thing that these kids did when they walked in? They touched it. They just said, oh, don't touch? Okay. I mean, have you ever told somebody don't do something? And just out of curiosity, why are you telling me not to do something? I'm going to do it anyway. Or just purely out of disobedience. Can I have, do I have any parents in here? Do I have any parents in here, right? And how many of you young people, I want to talk to the young people real quick. How many of you young people have no parents, right? Your parents are always telling you, no, don't do that. Any, no, anybody got no parents in here? The kids are like, Pastor Nate, I'm going to raise my hand right now, but I'm gonna, I don't want to get spanked when I get home. Don't touch that. Don't put your finger in the socket. Don't eat your boogers. Don't do that. And the kid just looks at you and they're like, just let me be me. Let me do me. Don't cross the street without looking both ways. Just let me be free. Any kids like that, right? Got don't parents? Listen, I'll tell you right now, every single one of y'all had don't parents because you are still alive right now. Do you understand that? Like your parents were actually looking out for you. So when God says, don't do this, he understands, right, the condition. He understands that because of the disobedience, that sin is now going to come. And because of your disobedience and because of your sin, you are now going to be separated from me. And so we see and we know how that story ends. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Eve. You ruined it for us. But here's one thing that I was looking at as I was looking at the scripture. God says, eat freely. And he says, unconditionally. Unconditionally. And we got to understand, listen, we as a people, we really don't know what unconditionally means. Because we live in a society of conditions, right? You treat me this way, I treat you that way. You do this for me, I do that for you. We live in a society of contract, right? When you buy a car, when you buy a home, when you do anything, it's like, hey... If you pay me, you will keep that. If you do not pay me, then you are not going to keep that. We live in a world of condition. So we really don't understand what it means to have unconditional love or to be loved or to love someone unconditionally. I remember when Tiff and I were first dating, she asked me the big question, why do you love me? Anybody ever been asked that question before? All my fellas, let me help you young guys out, okay? 
because the question's going to come. And uh, I remember giving her the most spiritual answer I could give. Can anybody guess what my spiritual answer was? Anybody know what it was? Huh? Say that one more time. Because you love Jesus. I wasn't that spiritual. <laughs> I said, girl, you look good. I wasn't thinking about Jesus. Um, sorry, we're married. Y'all calm down. We're married. Y'all calm down. Uh, no, I, when she asked me the question, why do you love me? I said, baby, I just, I, there's no reason why I love you. I just love you. I, my love for you is unconditional. You ever said that to your wife before? You ever heard? Some of y'all are laughing because you have, your man has said that to you before. There's just no reason at all. I just love you unconditionally. And I remember when I told her that, she says, there is no reason why you love me. Like none at all. No reason why you love me. Well, that's good to know. And I said, no, I didn't like that, girl. It's unconditional. That means you can wake up and you ain't got to put makeup on and I'm going to love you. Be married five years. You won't know what that looks, what that feels like. But uh, no, and that's what I was trying to explain to her was I, I just love you unconditionally. So here's when the woman asks you guys, young fellas, single guys, when the woman says, why do you love me? You better list every reason why you love that girl, okay? Because she's going to be real upset if you don't because you're beautiful, because you're, you know, your mind, the way you think. You better list every one of them. Don't be like me, Okay. I was trying to be like God and be unconditional with my love, but my wife said, it ain't going to work for me. I need conditions. I need you to tell me why you love me. But we really don't understand what unconditional love means, but that's what our father was wanting to give us. He says, eat freely. Anything you want, you be free. Just don't go do that. Just don't touch that tree. Don't eat from that tree. And we couldn't help ourselves. Adam and Eve couldn't help themselves. They go and they eat from the tree and God has to ban them from the garden. And he has to, to sin enters the world and we now see God and his creation are separated. So we're designed, we're created to be free because of sin, because of our disobedience. We're now separated from God. And so now we go through and we see just a few chapters later in Genesis chapter 12, God chooses a man by the name of Abram. He chooses Abram and he calls him from his people. And God, again, we see his heart for a relationship. We see his heart for wanting to know us, wanting to be a part of us. So he calls Abraham to leave his country, to leave his people, and Abraham goes. And the Bible says that it was credited because of Abraham's faith to leave, to trust God, to follow God. It was credited to him as righteousness. Do you understand that? Does everybody understand? Like, God said, go. Abraham said, yes. God says, I'm going to call you righteous now because you have obeyed me. What is it that separated us from God? Disobedience. It was disobedience that separated us from God. Right? And it was obedience that now drew us back to God. Do you understand? Like, you need to hear that. It was disobedience that separated us from God, but it's our obedience that brings us and draws us back to God. And so God chooses Abram. Abram says, yes, I'll go, right? And we see this, and we see the covenant between God and Abraham, right? But again, sin has its effect, and, and shortly after that, 
that effect takes place and man just begins to do whatever he wants, live however they want, do whatever they want. I mean, you just, you name it, it happens. And again, God has to come to Moses and now God begins to give the commands. God begins to give the law. So I wanted to lay that out. That was the foundation of what we're talking about right now because God says, listen, your disobedience, your sinfulness has separated you from me. Now I'm going to give you the law. I'm going to give you the commandments. God actually had to tell us how to act, how to live, okay? So if you're with me in Galatians chapter 3, I actually want to start reading at verse 19. It says in verse 19, it says, what purpose then does the law serve? Okay, we now know what the law is. Okay, it was added because of transgressions. It was given to us because of our sin. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Verse 21 says, is the law then against the promises of God? So you have to understand that God gives Moses the law, and now because of the law, people have this relationship with God that says, I must do something in order for God to love me. Right? I got to act right. I got to do right. They've now, God has had to put conditions on the relationship. You do this, I do this. You live this way, I, treat you, I do this. We see that condition through the law. And so man has the law in place, and not understanding that, listen, God gave us the law for our own protection. Verse 21, it says, is the law against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had not been a law given, which had given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise of faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law of, was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. I want to I talk about this really quick. I want to hit on this. The scripture tells us right here, and I'm going to do a little bit of teaching in this. It says, but before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. The, the scripture actually calls the law a tutor. A tutor. Now you have to understand that this word tutor was somebody that basically took you by the hand, told you how to live, how to act, what to do. Now, the law was given to do that. Do you understand that? Because of our sin, because of our disobedience, God has to give a command. God has to give the law. And the law was put in place so that we could be guided to God. Does that make sense? We were originally created to be free in our relationship and our walk with God. We disobeyed. We fall out of that. And now God gives the law. God gives the commands. And the commands are there to help guide you. Kind of like what I was talking about earlier. As a parent, you tell your kids what to do, how to do, when to wake up, how to act. And we do that because we are what? We are protecting them. We are guiding them. We are leading them. We are training them. And that was what the law was always meant to do. The law was given so that you could come and you could have some kind of relationship with God. Listen, don't sleep with another man's wife. 
Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. I mean, God had to get very down to earth with mankind when he gives the law because of the way we live our lives. God had to say, you can't do that. You can't act like that. You can't think like that. You can't do that. Because when sin comes in, it is very, very, very destructive thing. Have you ever thought about your thoughts? You ever thought about the things that run through your mind sometimes, right? How quickly do your thoughts go pretty, pretty deep, pretty dark? Very quickly, right? I mean, like, seriously. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, man, I think some crazy things sometimes. I really do. I really do. I think some crazy things about people sometimes. I think some really uh, angry thoughts sometimes about people. And especially when I drive. Anybody have that problem? I've prayed crashes on folks before. I've prayed for it. God, don't hurt them. Just lead them into the ditch. Just look and let them have good insurance. But get them out of my way. Right? Like, We've done, and I, I mean, I, I would give you more examples, but you would probably be like, man, bro, you can't preach to us no more. Like, you <laughs> are crazy if I were to share some of the things that I thought about, right? And you too, if you were to think about some of the things you've thought about before, how, how, how lost are we? How broken are we, right? And we are enslaved to our what? Our sinful nature. And so when we think of the law, we always think of it in a negative connotation, but it's not a negative thing. The law was given to guide you. It was to help you. It was to protect you, right? And so here we see this battle going on. And, and, and then in verse 26, it says this, for you are all, can y'all read that? For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For all of you, one in Christ Jesus, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave. Though, is he, though he is a master of all, he is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as what? Sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are not, no longer a slave, but a what? And if a son, then a what? Heir of God through Christ Jesus. What Paul is teaching us here is that, listen, that, that God sent Jesus Christ under the law. You have to understand, Jesus came as a Jew. He lived under the law, right? And he came and he dies and he sacrifices to not break the law, but to break the chains, to break the walls of your sin. The problem here is not law. The problem here is sin. It's your sin. 
It's your sinfulness. The problem here is not, man, God, we're breaking free from the law. The problem is that our sin has so much control over us. God gave us the law to try to help, try to guide. That didn't work. So then he sends Jesus Christ as a complete, full sacrifice for our sins. That when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the power of Christ, the grace, the mercy is now applied and we are fully forgiven. Fully forgiven. I want you to think about this for a moment. Every single one of us in this room has a choice. We have choices. If you think about your daily life, this morning you are here because you made a choice what? To be here. There are others who are not here because they made a choice to not be here. And as you think about your life, listen, your life is a collection of your what? Your choices. Right? And here's the thing that you need to understand about God. God loves us so much that he always gives us what? A choice. We have a choice. We can choose. And as I've thought about this and as I've prayed about this, I've learned and I've realized how much my choices affect my life. Big, small, whatever, they all affect your life, right? If you choose to eat bad things, bad things happen to your body. If you choose to eat good things, I'm learning that, okay? Good things. If you choose to go to the gym, you're going to see the benefits of that. We all have choices. If you choose to go to work and be on time, you are going to have a job. If you choose to be late every day, you may not have a job. If you choose to get onto your boss or talk back to your boss, you may not have a job. You have a choice to make. And here's one of the greatest things God gave us is the opportunity to choose. It's the opportunity to choose him. God never comes and says, hey, you have to follow me. When God created us, he created us with a choice. He says, you can eat freely, but you still have a choice. You still have a choice to make. Now, we make the wrong choice. So then God gives us the law, and in the law, we try to choose the right thing. But again, our sin takes hold, and we constantly are battling against ourselves. Listen, I need you to understand that the worst thing you are going to face in life is yourself. One of the most difficult obstacles you are ever going to come up against is you. It's you. Because God loved you so much that he gave you a choice. You can choose me, you can choose life, or you can choose yourself and death. God gives us a choice. And he says, listen, if you choose my son Jesus, you need to understand what comes with that choice. With choosing Jesus comes forgiveness. With choosing Jesus comes freedom. With choosing Jesus comes hope. With choosing Jesus comes life. 
Listen, every single one of us in this room has lived and made our own choices, and now some of you are facing the consequences of those choices because you are enslaved to your sin. And God says, I'm giving you a choice that if you choose Jesus, if you choose my son, then you're choosing to be free because that's the heart of God. He always created you to be free. Now, you may think that you are living your life doing you, but it's not you. It's your sin controlling you. It's your selfishness controlling you. It's your disobedience controlling you. And, 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 and as I was praying about this, God says, listen, you have a choice to make. You will always have a choice to make because I love you. So here's, my, here's what I would want to ask, and, and whoever's closing this thing down, I want you to come up really quick. If you're in this room and you have not chosen Jesus, you don't know what you're missing. You don't, you don't know what you're missing. I think we look at God and when we say, man, if I choose God, that means I got to let go of everything else. Listen, everything else is controlling you. Everything else is already having control over you. And by choosing God and by choosing Jesus, you're choosing true freedom. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from shame. Freedom from regret. How many of you have regrets? Anybody got regrets? Let me tell you something. I used to have a lot of regrets, a lot of guilt, and a lot of shame for a lot of the things that I had done. But let me tell you, it was my sin that created all of those things. And when I chose Jesus, and I, true, I, I, come to, I came to the understanding of understanding true freedom, all of those sinful things, all of those hurtful things were erased. They were done. They were gone. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so is your transgressions from you. That only came, that only happened through Jesus Christ. You can't fix you. You can't change you. Only God can do that. But you need to understand his heart. His heart is for you. His heart is for you to be free. And his heart is so much, he loves you so much that he gave you the opportunity, the ability to make a choice. Have you ever thought about that? He gave you the opportunity to choose. He gave you the opportunity to choose. I remember when I asked Tiffany to be my girlfriend, I was so nervous, so nervous. I knew I already had her, but I was so nervous. The reason I was nervous was because I was vulnerable, because she had to choose me. I had already made a decision to choose her, but she now had to choose me. And I was so vulnerable and I was so nervous. Man, I, I remember like, like practicing, girl, you're so pretty, I love you. Like just get my game right. And guys, if y'all, 
are not doing it face to face, if you're trying to holler at a girl through text, you need to get your life together. Come to the altar. I'm old school. You better get in, you better go and look at her in her eyes and just spit that game. If you need help, come see me after church. I am married to the prettiest woman in the world, and that is not by accident. It's because I got game, y'all. Like, come on. Back to Jesus. Back to Jesus. <clears throat> but I was so nervous because I was vulnerable. I had chosen her. I knew I wanted her. And I want you to think about this. God had already chosen you. He knew that he wanted you. He knew that he desired you. He knew that he wanted a relationship with you. He knew that he just wanted you. But he loved you so much that he still gave you the opportunity to make a choice. And the Bible says, listen, choose this day whom you will serve. The Bible says that every day you wake up, his mercies are new, his graces are new. Listen, God is inviting you into a relationship every single day. But it's your choice. Who will you choose? Will you continue, continue to choose disobedience and being enslaved to yourself? Or will you choose freedom in life and say, Jesus, I choose you because I love you. I want you to stand up and I want you to close your eyes. If this morning you choose Jesus, I just want you to lift your hand towards heaven right now. I choose Jesus. And I want you to make your way to this altar right now. Because I truly believe that if you respond outwardly to what God is doing inwardly, man, there's so much intimacy in that. I want you to come forward. If your hand's lifted, I want you to come to the front. If you choose Jesus this morning, I want you to come up. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be worried about This is not about who sees you, who knows you. This is about your moment, your chance, your opportunity to choose life, to choose freedom. That says, man, Pastor Nate, I've been living me. I've been doing me far too long and I'm done. I've been making choices and I've been making decisions and I'm now facing the consequences and the difficulties that came with those things. And I need forgiveness. I need freedom. I need hope. The scripture tells us whom the son is set free is free indeed. I wanna tell you when you choose Jesus, you're choosing forgiveness. Whatever you've done up to this moment, if you're choosing Jesus, it's done. Done. Do you understand? It's gone. So I want you to close your eyes. And I want everybody to reach their hands forward to those this morning who are choosing Jesus. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your desire for us, God, that, that you desire to give us freedom. You desire to give us life. You desire to give us hope. And God, that only comes through knowing you in a relationship and a walk with you, God. And God, you loved us so much that you gave us the choice that we could choose you. So Lord, I pray for these people at this altar. We're gonna pray a prayer together. And I need you to understand, listen, you're, 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 you're praying and you're asking Jesus to come into your life and you're choosing him. That means when you leave here and temptation comes, 
You chose Jesus. When your pride comes, when your anger comes, when temptation comes, you chose Jesus. You're letting go of your life. You're releasing yourself, saying, God, I'm letting go. I'm giving up and I'm choosing you. I'm giving my life to you. God, I don't want to live the same way. I don't want to talk the same way. I don't want to be the same way, God. I choose you. And it's a choice you are going to make every single day of your life that says, God, I choose you. Now listen, you're going to fall, you're going to mess up, but God says, I got you. So if you're at this altar, let's pray this together. Say, dear Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God, that you died for my sin. You died for my transgression. You paid my penalty. That God, in three days, you overcame death, sin, and the grave so that I could be free. And I ask you to come into my life as Lord, Savior, friend. I choose you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate? Can you celebrate?